Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al answer 10 money questions and comments from six YMYW listeners who have learned exactly how this podcast works. Elaine sold her condo, Steve sold some rental property, and both want the fellas' input on how they should invest the proceeds. And it wouldn't be YMYW without some Roth contribution and conversion conversation. Say that 10 times fast. Like when do the fellas say you shouldn't do a Roth conversion? What's the math on federal versus state taxes when doing a Roth conversion if you move to a no-income tax state? And what happens to the taxation of your pension if you move? Plus, the fellas comment on the retirement plan that listener Marion has mapped out for her kids. If you've got a money question or comment, get it in now. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com, scroll down, and click Ask Joe and Al on air. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Steve writes in, Alan. He's got no location given. Steve, follow the rules. Yeah, that's one thing that we request is where are you from? Yeah, we're giving you really good advice at no charge. Well, it's it could be good. Pretty good. Well, it's, yeah, it's reasonable it's, advice. It's, it's, it's reasonable. It's free. <laughs> that's the main thing. Um, all right. So Steve writes in. We don't know where the hell he's at, but he's got a recently sold a, a rental house. And will be left after taxes with $150,000 in profit. Good for you. All right. Steve's debt free. I have two separate retirement savings plans. One is aggressive, the other conservative. I'm 64 years old and have not started my Social Security yet. I am planning to do so when I turn 65. My pension currently is enough to meet all my expenses. I currently have the money from the sale deposited in a bank account earning 2%. My question is this. Do you recommend on where I should place this $150,000? i am concerned with the stock bond market currently being so high, and I don't want to just dump the entire amount into one or the other. I suppose dollar cost averaging would be a way to go, but I'm unsure how much I should put into the investments each month. Seems like it would take forever to get the entire $150,000 invested this way. Thanks for your help. Great show, by the way. Steve-o. Yeah, good question. Okay. All right. So he's got 150 grand. Doesn't necessarily need it, but he feels the markets are high. Sure. Yeah. Well, I would, I would ask, I would start with this very simple question is, Steve, do you have an emergency fund? And I would say an emergency fund should be at least six months of expenses. So, and I don't know what your expenses are because it doesn't say, but let's just say your expenses are $80,000 a year. Uh, then we would say you should, if you have $40,000 in emergency fund, that's great. If you don't, I would take whatever it takes out of this one fifty dollars to have that $40,000. I'd set that aside for the emergency fund before you do anything else. Well, I kind of disagree with that. Oh, good. Why? <laughs> because he's retired. He's got guaranteed fixed income. Yeah, but things come up. Cars break down, medical expenses, whatever, right? Six months expenses, though? Could be a bad car accident. <laughs> I don't know. Medical problems are a real pain in the whatever you're you broke. You're in your 40s. You don't know such things. I think uh, six months, 12 months expenses or income is for the working class, not Mm-mm. the nice retired class. No, I, I disagree with that. Uh, well. Okay, what else do you get? <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> 
Interestingly, we don't know. He says that he's got two separate retirement savings plans, but we don't know what kind they are. I know. And no. I don't know why you would have two and one aggressive, one conservative, instead of just one and then having a, a well-diversified portfolio. And then I would just add the 150 into the well-diversified portfolio, right? Well, I would ask another question first. <laughs> My second question <laughs> is... Is is there any? What's the purpose for the money? Is, yeah, what's is there, the money is there, for? Is there anything you need or you're thinking of currently, like a vacation or like a car or like a boat or like whatever? Grandkids. Yeah, education. do you have a short term need? Right. Uh, you know, then keep it in cash. Exactly. Right. So, so I think once you determine, let's say you don't need an emergency fund and you there's nothing you want to do with the money short in the term. short term, then yeah, then just put it in your portfolio. Yeah. And then, so th- I guess to follow up on the question with Steve is saying, well, you know, man, I, I got 150 grand. Do I just dump it in or do I dollar cost average in? So let me explain both. Okay. If I do a lump sum, I'm just going to invest $150,000 tomorrow, right? It's right. fully invested right now. It seems drastic. Dollar cost averaging <laughs> would be, all right, maybe I slowly get the money in over a 12-month period. So I put one-twelfth of the $150,000 into the market per month. So right? whether the market's going up or down, it's like... You're kind of taking it, oh, this month it's high, oh, next month it's down 20%. We see, and then, so so you, don't, you don't make a bad decision. You, right, and I'm just slowly leaking the dollars in. Okay. If you look historically, statistically speaking, it makes more sense just to invest it. The dollar cost averaging helps with the emotion. Yes. Right? Uh, but it's not necessarily going to give you a better return. Yeah. It could, but who's to say that the market is not going to continue to go up another 20% next year? Well, you've got the rest of it well, still you've got in your 2% cash, savings account. Yeah. Right? So it's it's a market timing you know, saying, hey, I don't know, I want to hedge my bets here. Uh, but who's to say that the market's not going to drop 20% as soon as Steve invests it? Yeah, I think you I think you go with probabilities. And the probabilities state that if you look at any calendar year, the stock market beats safe investments two to one. 70% of the time, yeah. the market's up, 30% it's down. Exactly, right? And so your odds are better just investing. Now, we wouldn't say go 100% in stocks. I mean, have have a have a, have a globally diversified portfolio that includes safety, like, like bonds, different kinds of bonds. Probably we would favor higher quality, shorter-term bonds. But, um, but yeah, make sure you've got... We're not saying put this all into stocks all at one time. We're, we're saying figure out the right portfolio for you and, and based upon your goals. And I think that's what people miss. You got you to first ask the question, what's the money for? And, and, and if, it's, if I don't need it for a long time, then I can be more aggressive. Or is it, is it for grandkids' college and the grandkids are three years yeah, old right. or whatever? So, so you can go longer term. It just depends what you need the money for. Yeah. So I would say invest it. I would say invest it right away. And I would consolidate their two retirement accounts instead of having one aggressive and one conservative. Um, unless one's like a CD and one's in stocks, I, I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, and we don't know his percentages, whether he's sixty forty or what he's doing. Right, but I, I think in general, hopefully that 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 helps you out, Steve. So we got Elaine. She writes in now from San Diego. I just sold my condo and have a hundred forty thousand dollars. How should I invest it for retirement? I'm fifty six and have some other small retirement plans, which add up to about sixty five grand. So Elaine's got $200,000, 56 years old, looking to see how she should invest that. Right. 
So there's a couple things we don't know. Uh, lots of things. Like, for example, do you have a pension plan or how much is your Social Security? How are, much are you spending? What are you spending? Are you going to receive an inheritance? When are you going to retire? All these things. Did we, you buy another w- property? Yeah, all these things we kind of need to know. However, I'm going to give a generic answer with the, what little information we have by making a couple of assumptions. Will you go along with that? So Elaine is... 56, and full retirement age for someone her age, according to Social Security, is 67, Mm -hmm. Okay, which would be 11 years for her. And so I'm going to make that assumption. She's going to retire at full retirement age at age 67. She's got a couple hundred thousand dollars designated right now for retirement, uh, which currently at a 4% distribution, that would be about $8,000 a year. So that's not a lot of money. So, uh, Elaine, you're going to need some growth if that's your circumstance. So I would favor more stock type of investments than bond type of investments because you've got a long-term period of time, 11 years. And I would invest in low-cost mutual funds, low-cost index funds, low-cost ETF funds, maybe an S&P 500, maybe an international total market fund, maybe a U.S. total market fund, low cost, uh, I would favor that. I probably, I wouldn't necessarily go 100% in. Uh, I would probably have a, 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 a total bond fund, something like that. Uh, but that's what I would say based upon that assumption I made. Yeah, I would do this, Elaine. Here's just some simple math um, that you can do in the back of an envelope. Uh, figure out what you're spending right now, okay? And say, do I want to continue that lifestyle in retirement? So in 10 years, you need to use a little bit of an inflation factor on it. But just for today's purposes, maybe just add, let's say if you're spending $40,000, maybe add ten grand. Would you buy that? Yeah, in, okay. in, in 10 11 years. years. Yeah. yeah, sure. Right, given maybe 2.5% inflation on yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds good. So then you look at it, then figure out what your Social Security is going to be at 67, and then subtract what you're spending from your Social Security amount and see what that shortfall is. And then you multiply that shortfall by 20. Uh, 25. You forget 20, the factor. No, no. 25, I was going to say 4%, but then I thought yeah. 25 would be easier. Yes. So, for example, let's say you want to spend 50, you're spending $50,000 today. In 11 years, that 50000 is going to be 60000 just with inflation, the cost of goods and services increase. $60,000, you look, and your Social Security benefit is going to give you $20,000. Okay. Okay? So you take the 60, you minus the 20, you have $40,000 that is short, that needs to come from your investments. So $40,000, you multiply that by 25, Al, is? A million. A million bucks. That's what you need. That's what you need. All right. So then you have two hundred thousand dollars right now, and you have eleven years to make that two hundred thousand dollars into a million. So then you have to figure out, okay, well, what target rate of return do I need to um, be generating, or how much money should I save, or I'm not on track, right? I I won't be able to spend my lifestyle given that arithmetic. And I know it's kind of bad news, but I have no idea. I'm making up everything as I go here. So you could be in really good shape, and you just have one hundred forty thousand bucks, and you're looking at hey, buy you know, buy Bitcoin for all yeah. I care. But here, here's my rebuttal to that. So when people do that and they get all depressed, they don't do anything. Yeah, they don't do anything. They, they don't do anything. It. So I would say, if you go back to my thought, let's let's get this to grow as much as possible over the eleven years, so that you can then figure out what you can spend. It may not be your same lifestyle, but it's a lot better than if you do nothing right now. 
How about you? Are you on track for retirement? Are your investments set up to last as long as you do? It's hard to know, especially when you have to navigate market volatility, tax uncertainty, rising health care costs, and the future of Social Security as well. Our Retirement Readiness Guide can help you get on track. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You can download our Retirement Readiness Guide for free. It's got eight plays that will help you prepare for a successful retirement. Got questions? Click Ask Joe and Al on air to send them in as a voice message or an email. We got Rob from uh, Santa Clarita. Mir Statman. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Rob's... Is, is he listening? Uh, is he's, he? Yes, he's Rob. He is he's hardcore. A big we got so, three emails from Rob. All right, Rob, we're gonna have we to start three. charging you here. Well, well, we did. Okay, yeah, a page and a half. So he's listening to podcast two thirty nine. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what are we on now? Uh, you were talking at the top of the show about the pitfalls of transferring a four hundred one k to an IRA, in that if you get sued. They can't touch your 401k. I was under the understanding that, at least in California, if it was transferred from a 401k to an IRA, it was still protected because it was transferred from a protected plan. Just saying. Whatever, Rob. You guys are great. Have uh, written you many times. Keep up the good work. Yes, that's that's true and not true, Rob, because it depends. Depends on what? On if it's like litigation versus like O.J. Simpson. For okay. instance, okay, his retirement account was protected, even though he, in civil court he was found guilty. Right, but if that was in an IRA, I don't know if that would have been protected. Well, here's the real answer: is we're not attorneys, we <laughs> which are. is what you said in podcast two thirty nine. Yes, which is we're not a hundred percent sure, but that's what I've heard. I have heard that you get similar protection in an IRA if it comes directly from a four hundred one k. But we, but there may be circumstances where there's not. So I, I would. Yeah, an IRA's gone up to a couple million dollars of protection, but I know if I think it's, it's like one point four million. What, okay. Close to <laughs> a couple million dollars again. Please give, consult your attorney. Give or, give or take, but that's an IRA on its own. Right, but a four hundred one k rollover is supposed to be unlimited. Anyway, we're not attorneys. Look, this talk to your attorney about this. All right, okay. So he's got another one. Joe, Big Al, and Andy. I love the show. You guys always have a plethora of good information and making learning fun. I have a couple of questions in regards to California taxes and planning for retirement, and this would probably be good info in any high state tax or high tax state. That's my dyslexia coming out again. Same meaning. Yeah, same same. If I want to take advantage of the lower federal tax rates now and convert a portion of my IRA to a Roth, would it make sense because with the current federal tax rate low, California's high, after my deductions, I'm in the 22% federal tax bracket, but not by much, but have some room in the bracket to convert. But I also have to pay California income taxes on the conversion. Now let's say that when I retire, I move to Washington, Tennessee, Nevada, Florida, Texas, or where there's no state income tax. Do you think in that case, it would just be a wash paying lower federal taxes now in California income tax versus a higher Fed rate? Okay. We don't know how long the Roth IRA is going to last and the conversion is going to last, and you have to compute the time value of money of the, the dollars sitting in the Roth IRA, Rob. So 
I don't know when you're going to retire, so you're at a 22% tax bracket. You convert now, and all of that growth is going to grow tax-free. So you would have to do the calculation. If it's going to be next year or two years, then just wait. But if it's in like 10 years, I would do the conversion because the time value money in the Roth IRA will supersede the extra tax that you paid in California versus Nevada. But, but and do you want to live in Tennessee, Nevada? Well, that's what I was going to say. Do you know for sure you're moving to a tax-free state? No, it's, it, just, it's, it's just a guess, right? So he's, go he's ahead. Working, he's working on his spreadsheet. Go ahead and do the conversion. All right. So we, we have Rob from uh, Santa Clarita that's definitely taking advantage of us. That's yeah. <laughs> so... He was talking about doing a conversion if he was going to move to another t- uh, state with no income taxes. Is it a wash, right? So he's saying this: if the state tax rate is twenty two percent that he wants to convert in the federal rate, federal right? rate twenty two, and then the state rate, just to make it easy, it's it's less than this, but it would let's call it ten percent for California, for, so or, that's, or any high high tax state, right? So that's thirty two percent that he would have to pay on the conversion if yes. he was in the twenty two percent tax bracket, okay, right? right? So he's saying, hey, let's say if I move to Nevada and tax rates go up, so now I'm not in the 22% rate anymore, I'm in a higher rate. Well, the math is simple. You look at, all right, well, are you going to be in a 32% tax bracket? Yeah, between the two. (laughs) Between the two, if there's no state income taxes, there is, right, if you're going to jump up to the 32% level, well, then maybe you want to wait. That's kind of like the simple in a bubble answer. Yeah, and I would say your your answer was right on, which is when do you want to do this? If this is a for sure thing, then then it's a known data point, and you can act accordingly. If this is just, well, I might want to move to Florida or Washington because they don't want to pay any taxes in, in retirement. Right. Well, that's that's way too speculative to to base much of your plan on. That that's what I would say because a lot of people tell us that, and then when we run their financial plan, and in some cases people have more income than when they worked, but in many cases they have less income than when they worked, and they realize, oh gosh, the state tax because I don't have a salary anymore is really low. So what? Why was I thinking of moving to Nevada? Right. Right. But. You look at it, the time value of money means a lot, too. If you're going to do this in 10 years, you do the conversion now. Yeah, and the reason why that can work well is you can put your asset classes that have higher expected returns, you could put them in the Roth and then end up with more net after tax. All right, number two. I work in the entertainment industry. Oh, interesting. I like Rob all of a sudden. (laughs) Do you, have, do you have aspirations? <laughs> Maybe you can introduce me to some he people. He wants to yeah. d- audition, don't you? No, I would like a date. I was going to say he wants to meet Charlize Theron. I don't know. <laughs> Charlize Theron. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that funny, Joe? <laughs> That's I don't know. That was good. That was yeah. witty. Yeah, just, was. I don't know. I, that wasn't someone I was thinking about. But <laughs> Until like, now. Yeah, just kind of now. I got, now I got like bad Max in my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he works in the entertainment industry. He's got a pension with Motion Picture Industry uh, in health uh, that I have earned in California. Let's assume again that I decide to move out of state when I retire to one of those aforementioned states. Washington, Tennessee, Nevada, Florida, or Texas. Do I have to pay taxes to California on my pension as I'm receiving it because it was earned in California? If so, I heard you pay the taxes wherever you reside when you retire. If that's the case, can I establish residency in one of those states for one year before I retire? I would do this by moving, uh, freelancing in by the last year. By the way, Motion Picture has two pensions, a monthly payout. Uh, This is the one that I'm referring to in the question. And then there's an IAP, 
which I would just convert to an IRA when it comes time. Thanks again. I seem not giving you enough information when I ask questions, so hopefully this time I gave you enough. Yeah. That's pretty clear. Very clear, Rob. No, if you have a pension that was earned in California, you moved to Florida, you're good. He just wants to get the hell away from all the freaks in L.A. <laughs> Could be. But he lives, he lives, well, yeah, Santa Clarita. That's, that's kind of the fringe. I mean, that's not too bad. He, he's in the motion. Um, yeah, yeah, Santa he, Clarita he, he is really known. It's really known for the movies. No, no. Well, <laughs> I'm, what I'm saying though, it, yeah, he probably works. Yeah, he, he works in he Hollywood, works, yes. but he lives in Santa Clarita. That's not bad. That's, uh, yeah, that's I know. Because, but he's he's working with them. Yeah, and he's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. That's Moving why he's to listening Tennessee. to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he's so, like, I'm a, I had enough with Charlie. Set. <laughs> well, I don't even know how to say it. What's her name? Charlie. Charlie's Theron. Charlie's. Charlize, yes. Charlize. I've actually never had a, knew how to say that either, so Charlize. I learned something. Charlize Theron. Hey, so anyway, so I would say, Rob, about 15, 20 years ago, uh, most of the states got together because California was one that was trying to get their taxes on pension payments earned in California. So the answer is they pretty much all got together and said, you know what, wherever your state of residency is where you're taxed. So even though you had the salary in California and the pension was essentially earned in California, you moved to Florida, a tax-free state, you don't have to pay any dollars, uh, any tax dollars because you're in the tax-free state. So anyway, that's good news. Now you're trying to maybe game the system a little bit. Like what if you move a year earlier because you've got a lump sum that could come out and that theoretically could work as long as you really do it, as long as you really establish the residency. And it says uh, you say that you would do some freelance work and you can work anywhere. Yeah, that, that could potentially work. The key there, though, is to really move and do everything required to show that you've actually moved. In other words, you have a moving company, move your stuff, you've got that invoice, you change your driver's license, you change your registrar of voters, you can show your grocery bills, your utility bills, your cable bills, on and on, in terms of that you're really a Florida resident. So, okay. Well, there you go, Rob. So, Rob emailed a third time. Andy <laughs> just <laughs> wrote to you about two questions on California and uh, taxes in retirement. My first question was about converting to a Roth. I sort of answered my own question on that portion of the email to you. Even as a, with a wash with the principal, all the gains would still be tax-free, so it would still be worth converting now, and it would lower my income and help me with my Medicare, and um, there are no RMDs. Sometimes you just kind of think it through. So he got it, Rob, man. And then he thanks me. He got the answer. Thank I don't you. know why. Yeah, thank you, Andy. <laughs> Whatever, Rob. <laughs> You're welcome, Rob. Yeah, just, Thank just, you I'm, for emailing us. Just pouring my brain out to you, bud. <laughs> uh, let's go on to someone else. Southern California, getting the tools and confidence you need to make informed decisions for a happy retirement may require a bit more than listening to Your Money, Your Wealth. Sign up for one of our two-day retirement classes in San Diego, Orange County, or Los Angeles and get the information you need to help you plan for the retirement you've always dreamed of. Learn about your retirement needs and expenses, investments and sources of retirement income, risk management, asset protection, estate planning, and more. For dates, times, and locations, visit Your Money, yourwealth.com and click retirement classes or call 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. We got Johnny writing in from New York City. Good morning. Your videos are very informative. I'm employed at the United States Postal Service, have a thrift savings plan, and I contribute about $12,000 on a $65,000 salary. I only have about $125,000 in the TSP because first 10 years contributed only $100 a month. 
I've worked for the United States Postal Service for 21 years. Still have about 15 more to go. I'm afraid I will have to work in t- uh, work to 70 or past 70. You would prefer 60 or 67. I don't blame you. Uh, would a Roth IRA be a good idea to have also, or should I max out $19,000 in the TSP? I do have some gold, about seven bars. <laughs> Got silver, about Got 100. 100 coins. 100 <laughs> And I invest uh, sixty thousand in uh, real estate REIT. Six thousand. Oh, six thousand. Yeah. Um, any advice you could give would be greatly appreciated. All right, Johnny. Well, first of all, thank you for delivering the mail because it never stops. Every every day except for Sunday. <laughs> uh, Newman. <laughs> so okay, Johnny, you're going to have a pension plan through the United States Postal Service. I would suggest, yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt, but uh, do you have the discipline, I guess, to do it? So he's putting in 12000 bucks. He's saying, hey, should I go $19,000 in the TSP? What do you think? Well, $65,000 salary, he's in a low tax bracket. Yeah, yeah, he is. I, I would sort of favor the Roth, and, and I'll tell you why. Because, first of all, you're, uh, well, we don't know if you're married or not, but you're probably in a low enough tax bracket. And I'm thinking with your pension, you're already going to have a fair amount of ordinary income. So to have some tax-free in the Roth might be a really good plan. Yeah. Get rid of the gold bars, probably. Or the, or the coins. <laughs> or the 6000 in the... The non-traded REIT. Someone yeah. sold them that. Yeah, probably. Fundrise. Never heard of Fundrise. No, me neither. All right. So, yeah, Johnny, I like... Um, I, I think so. Here, now, well, now, well, I, and let me just say it this way. Give me your calculator real quick. As and you while, you, while you're doing your calculation, Johnny, if you if you were not with the United States Postal Service and did not have a pension, I would say try to max out a, a deductible pension a- account because you're going to be in a, such a low bracket, you can use the deduction right now. But in your case, you've got a pension plan. That plus required minimum distributions... Um, you know, it'd be nice to have some tax-free income in retirement. So, Johnny, I'm doing a little calculation here for you. And, of course, this is hypothetical. Uh, but if you have $125,000 in your uh, thrift savings plan right now, and you have another 15 years of savings to go, and if you could save that $19,000 in the thrift savings uh, account, sure. um, you're going to have close to $800,000 in the thrift savings account, um, you know, given a 6 or 7% rate of return over the next 15 years. Right. Uh, so now you got the eight hundred grand. You take 4% of that, that's about $32,000 that would be income on top of pension and other income sources. Um, yeah, I think the Roth might be a really good option for you. Yeah. So same. that 125 will continue to grow. You still put some money in. If you can save up to that 19,000, I think you're really on the right track. Uh, living in New York City, I mean, you gotta you gotta save as much as you can just to afford that place. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. You can save that much on your salary because that is not a cheap area. We got Mike from Massachusetts. Hello, Joe, and Al. Awesome podcast. Good. Thank you, Mike. That's a good start, by the way. Very good start. Very there's good there's start. much more likelihood we'll read your question if you start that way. <laughs> uh, uh, I kind of like the other ones. This <laughs> podcast sucks. It's perfect. But I got a question for you. Yeah, I got a question for you. I know anyway. you guys don't know the answer, but I'm going to hail Mary, throw it out there just in case. Thank you for all the great educational information. I have a question for your awesome podcast about how best to invest an extra 50000 this year. Specifically, should I use it to pay taxes on a Roth conversion or add it to my after-tax investments to build the balance? Uh, here's a little background for you, Big Al. Okay. All right. 
mid-50s, married 30 years, four children, two in college, two graduated. He's going to plan to retire 60-ish. He's got a nice little home, zero debt. Like it? Look at Mike just killing the game. Yeah, right? All my estate planning documents are in order and up to date. He's got a separate adequate cash reserve fund. Okay. Now Mike's just bragging. <laughs> I have a million dollars in retirement accounts. Um, I have about two fifty in after-tax investments, mostly private placement real estate and CDs. I'm on the upper edge of the 32% tax bracket. I have some deferred comp assets that should support me from age 60 to 70. It will put me in the 24 to 32% tax bracket. My real question is, how aggressively should I convert my retirement assets to Roth versus investing more in my after-tax accounts? What balance should I target for my after-tax dollars versus my retirement accounts, if any? Thank you. All right. So he's got a million dollars in retirement accounts. Yeah, and I guess um, so about, got, about half of that is Roth. So he's already, he's already done a lot. He's already done a lot. fantastic. About half of it is uh, traditional. So he's in his mid fifties, want to uh, retire at like five, five or six, sixty ish. Yeah. What is that? That's like sixty three. <laughs> is that an ish? I'm sixty ish. Are you? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if you're like sixty nine, yeah, that's not ish. No, you're almost you, seventy. Right. Yeah. You can't use ish you if could, you're like over sixty five. Sixty. You could you could do it to about yeah sixty five. I think that's your limit. All right. Um. So let's just say he's got seven years. He's going to be, like, from 60 to 70, he's got some deferred comp that's going to put him in 24 to 32, so that's a pretty big deferred comp plan. Yeah, it is. I, I'd say he's going to retire at 60 because he's got all this deferred comp. Yeah, I, I agree. He's got 400 in the Roth already, 550 in the traditional IRA, or he's got 600000 in pre-tax dollars. So, yeah, I don't know how much more aggressive I would do that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sort of agreeing with you. You've, because, you've already converted a bunch of it already. Yeah. Right. And and you're gonna be by by the time you get to seventy and a half, what's left, right? You got the you got the five hundred fifty in the traditional four hundred one k. At that point, it's probably worth seven hundred. Well, I was gonna say a million. No, he's he's fifty five. But what, by the time he gets seventy and a oh, half, oh yeah it's yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, yeah yeah yeah, for sure. Yeah, for pro- sure. probably a million too. Yeah. Right? So, so so he's got a forty. 40, fifty thousand dollar RMD. Yeah, call it fifty thousand RMD plus social security. Right, which could be 30, 40, what, what, call it 40. So right. that's 90,000. Some of the Social Security is tax free, and you get the, the standard deduction. I think you're in the 12% bracket. Yeah, then you've got the Roth IRA that's now at 800, and he's got after tax yeah. dollars. Yeah, I don't, um, if you're in the 32% tax bracket, I would not convert. Yeah, I totally agree with I that. I would not convert. 24, maybe you could go to the top of it. Right. Um, but it, I would not go higher than the 24% yeah, tax bracket. And, and mainly, Mike, it's that we base this upon what we what we think we know about you at age 70 and a half, with, which is the RMD that we calculated, required minimum distribution, plus Social Security. I think you're going to be in a pretty low bracket, so you don't really have to get a lot more aggressive. Yeah, because he's already done a really good job planning. Yeah, right. Right, because if the million dollars was all in a retirement account, then we would probably have a different um, answer, but yes. half of it's already in a Roth. Totally agree. Mike from Massachusetts, email number two. Second question. All right. People are catching on. Yeah. They're like, you know what? This is good information. Yeah, Let me just I milk this Just stuff. keep going. Joe and Al, you guys are great. Very good, Mike. That always gets you on the air. I appreciate the value you add. I participate in a deferred comp plan. And yeah, I'm we, we seven know about years. That. Yes, yeah, we just heard all about it, Mike. 
<laughs> from retirement. Uh, once I retire, the plan will pay me the balance in 10 annual installments. This will provide me an income from age 60 to 70 that will pay my expenses and allow me to delay Social Security and delay any needed access to my funds in my retirement accounts. Today, I have these funds invested in low-cost target date fund. I'm happy with the payout amount. Should I move all these funds into even more conservative investment like tips or 100% bonds? How would you view the assets, and how risky would you be with the investment? Thank you. Couple questions, I guess. Is he talking about his four hundred one k plans, or is like retirement accounts, or is he talking about the deferred comp plan? I take it to mean he's talking about the deferred comp. I have these funds invested. He says I'm in a deferred comp plan. It will provide me an income. Okay, Social Security, blah, blah, blah. Today I have these funds invested yeah, in a low target He's date. talking about the deferred comp plan because he's talking about the payout. He's happy with the payout as is. So why take a lot of risk? Oh, so, all right. So he's, let's just say, getting $50,000. Yeah, it's like enough. If already. it was in cash. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I like it, Mike. I, I don't know. I would probably go 70, 30, 70% bonds, 30% yeah, equities. It's I, 10 years. Great. I, I would not go 100%. Safety. No, tips. I would not go 100%. But I, I would probably, if I'm just thinking about myself, I would do somewhere between 30 and 50% equities and the rest safe. I, I, you don't have to take a lot of risk here. It depends on how that deferred comp plan is, um, is set up. So I guess for our listeners, edification is that some companies allow you to defer compensation. Um, so for highly compensated employees and you know smaller companies, larger executives, things like that, allow them to to put money in this deferred comp plan. So let's say you get a big bonus or you have a very large income, you can reduce taxes that year. You could put it in this fund. Sometimes it's in a general ledger where the company manages, or if it's a large enough company, you can actually manage it just like a 401k plan. You can pick your investments and so on. But the problem is, is that is not necessarily your money. It's on the ledger of the company. So you got to be careful on how you use the deferred comp, because if the company goes under, those assets then could go with the company. But if the company's solid, and then it pays you out, and in this case, uh, with Mike, he, he picked a 10-year payout. So he put the money in. You have to ask to put the money in prior to the years, and it, it gets a little bit complicated. But... Yeah, I would say this. I would get out of the target date funds, Mike, if you're going to start taking dollars from the account, uh, just because you want to pick and choose what you, what you sell to create that uh, distribution upon retirement. Because the target date fund will sell some stock, some bonds. It's going to give you a share of the target date fund. Uh, versus if I have stock and bonds, like two separate asset classes, I can sell my bonds to take that income if stocks are, are down. down. Or if stocks are up, I'd sell the stocks and keep the bonds. It's a little bit more efficient. And the, when you start creating income and taking distributions, it's completely different than what you've done as you have saved throughout your life. So congratulations, Mike. It is important to know how to take the sting out of taxation if you are a highly compensated employee. Big Al's got a number of strategies to help high-income earners reduce their taxes. Read his blog post, watch his video, or check out the entire episode of YMYW-TV on this very topic. I've linked to all of them in the show notes. Just click the link in the description of this episode in your podcast app, and it'll take you right there. We've got time for a couple more money questions, then it's your turn. Click Ask Joe and Al on air in the show notes to send in your money questions questions, comments, compliments, complaints, or stories as voice messages or emails. And Joe and Big Al will respond on a future episode of the YMYW podcast. Marion, uh, she writes in from Fresno. Hi, guys and lovely lady. 
I binge watched your videos and I'm currently listening to your podcast. I think I have a plan for my kids. They do Roth retirement accounts as much as possible. So the taxable accounts, uh, traditional must withdrawal accounts and pensions, okay, are less than 38700 in AGI each year. Uh, so Social Security will not be taxed and the Roth withdrawals will not impact their taxes under current law. Am I missing something? Okay, hold on a second. So Marion's got a plan for her kids, yeah. So and her kids are taking Social Security. Well, I, I, I think her. How old is Marion? Well, she's either ninety-five, <laughs> or she's thinking about her kids' future. I think that's where she's getting at. So, so I think what she's asking. I got is, a five-year-old. <laughs> worried about the taxation on her Social Security. I'm a hundred seven, and my kids are are 70, 77. They're taking their RMDs. So, I think what I, here's what I think she's asking. I, I think she's asking uh, for her kids how should they set up their retirement plan because if they if they max fund their Roth accounts. And they, if they can keep their taxable income low enough in retirement, then they can stay in the low, lowest bracket, and, and maybe the Social Security income will be tax-free, too, which is absolutely right. Now, Marion, I don't know how old your kids are, whether they're 5 or whether they're 50 or wh- what age they are. But the truth is, so right now, um, 38700 AGI, that was the that was actually taxable income. That was the top of the 12% bracket in 2018, 2019, it's like 39,600, something like that. But you have- For single. For single, yeah. And I assume since she used that number, she's assuming her kids are single. Never gonna get married. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> or they're single. Or they never did get married. Yes. So, but, but realize with a single taxpayer, you have a $12,000 uh, standard deduction. So they can actually make about $50,000 and still be in that 12% bracket. But t- the taxability of Social Security is on a completely different number. It's on provisional income. Right. Why don't you explain that? Yeah, you just you have to take your adjusted gross income, and then you got to add back half the Social Security. And so they phase out. I mean, if you're under at single, what is it out, $22,000? Yeah, $25,000. Um, if, if their income is under $25,000, then their Social Security would be tax-free. Correct. Provisional income. So that's their adjusted gross income adding back half of their Social Security. So it's what, twenty-five to thirty-three or twenty-five to thirty-four thousand? Twenty-five to thirty-four. Twenty-five to thirty-four thousand dollars, then fifty percent of their social security is going to be subject to income tax. And then anything over thirty-four thousand dollars of provisional income, eighty-five percent of that benefit is going to be subject to income tax. So if you're looking at thirty-eight thousand seven hundred of AGI, well then a portion of their Social Security is going to be subject to income tax because they're over the provisional income thresholds. So you really need to look at provisional income first to see, all right, well, what is their adjusted gross income going to be with interest, dividends, retirement account, distributions, and so on? But you're right on, Marianne, because Roth IRA accounts will not be included in provisional income. So if you do have a lot of money in Roth IRAs and you take $100,000 out of your Roth, um, and that's the only distribution you take out of your retirement account, you have no other income, your Social Security would be tax-free. So even though you took a $100,000 distribution. So yeah, that's another added benefit by having monies in Roth IRAs, uh, just because it's not included in that provisional income. So there's a lot more planning that you want to do. It's not like, okay, well, I want my Social Security income to be tax-free in 40 years, <laughs> so it'll go all Roth, right? right? Or if they're currently taking Social Security, well, then you have to look at all sorts of different things. But you're on the right path. I, I mean, I can tell you binge-watched our videos. 
because you're getting it. You just got to watch them again. <laughs> <laughs> And listen to this podcast because we Four, answer How many directly. videos we got? 400? I think we're closer to 600. 600 videos. Yeah, I think so too. They're not all on Roth contributions, but there are quite a few of them on that topic. All right, Marion's got another question. How can I recover lost savings bonds? Yeah, apparently our Department of Treasury has a form 1048-1048. It's called Claim for Lost, Stolen, or Destroyed United States Savings Bonds. So actually just type in IRS form... 1048, and it will pop right up. How do you... How do you lose it? Well, no, I can see how you can lose it easily. Right. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, we had clients, they come in with like a... Yeah, 30-year-old. Yeah, yeah. with a, a briefcase full of savings bonds. Right. Right? It's like, okay, um, I can see how you can easily lose yeah, savings I, bonds. I can too, and, and I think uh, something unrelated to this but in a way related it's 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 I, I was talking to my dad actually last night and he's got a safety deposit box and and he moved back to san diego with my mom and so he wanted me to have a key to get in in case something happened to him very good and it's like what do you put in what do you put in savings deposit boxes and it used to be you put in deeds of trust and very important documents uh but nowadays all that stuff is online and and the reason I'm bringing that up is because we actually own, own a property jointly, uh, and he was saying, well, I think the, the deed of trust is in the safety deposit box, but it, it may not. I haven't looked for a long time. And I said, Dad, it's all that's online now. You don't really have to do that stuff. So the, there's not too many things that you need to put in a safety deposit box, in my view, anymore, because it's electronic. But a savings bond could be different. You know, when I was the su- successor trustee, of my grandmother's estate, she put her stock certificates in the safety deposit box. Well, and that's bef- probably before they had custodians that held them for you. Yeah, but well, she could have easily deposited in a brokerage. No, account, I understand, right? but because it was it was titled in her trust. Yeah, but it was in the safety. I didn't, I didn't have a, a, a key. Oh, you didn't? No, and you weren't authorized. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a pain. Right. Oh, right. my God. Well, then they said, well, what do you think the value is of anything in the safety deposit box? Do you think it's under $50,000? And I was like, yes. I don't even know what's in there. I don't even know what the hell's yeah. in there. Just say right. yes. Yes. It's a so, way under. Yep. So I was like, yeah, I think it's some trinkets. Maybe a little. Some, some hundred silver coins. Her spoon collection. All right, that's it for us today. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Right? Love us. Hate us. Uh, We'll see you next week. Show's got your money well. Update. As it turns out, we actually have over 700 educational videos on our YouTube channel on everything from asset allocation versus asset location to investing in marijuana stocks, as well as episodes and shorts from the YMYW TV show. Marion, Johnny, and over 11,000 other subscribers know all about it. Now it's your turn. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes where you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, download our retirement resources, read the transcript of this episode, send in your money questions and a whole bunch more. It's a heck of a deal because it's all free and stick around to the very end of this episode today to listen to the derails. If you're into that sort of thing, your money, your wealth is presented by pure financial advisors. Get a no cost, no obligation to meeting financial assessment with a certified financial planner by clicking the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You don't even have to be local to Southern California. They can even conduct meetings with you face to face online. 
Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. My aunt worked for the United States Postal Service for, I think, 40 years. Oh, so you got some inside knowledge. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, good. And uh, she wasn't a letter carrier. She actually worked in the office in okay. a little small town. Okay. Um, Still very important. Yes. Well, she knew everyone's name. Right. You know, they come in. Hey, how you doing? Oh, here's your mail. Oh, okay. So um, well, most most mail now is uh, it's junk mail, right? Or bills. Or bills. It's like, like a lot of people get, I guess, their bills electronically. Yeah. I, I get a bunch that way now. Me too. No, not me. I like. You're old. School. I like to open up the bill and. Look at it. Do you send paper checks <laughs> yeah, to pay them I, too? Put it on my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to pay bills. Little sticky note. I on could it. just see you get home at night and you go, "Oh, look, mail." Yes. Oh, oh, that's why he J- does it to yeah. help him not feel lonely. It's great. JC Penny. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Eddie Bauer. <laughs> um, Golf locker. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, they come often. <laughs> right. I, I think this podcast. How many is podcasts are there? Probably. Millions. Yeah, I would think. Hundred million? <laughs> That's a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I think actually there was just recently some information that said there's five hundred thousand. So there's not, oh, not millions million. as you would think, but five hundred thousand retirement planning. No, 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 no. Pod- podcasts all in general. Oh, in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but per um, day it's another. Yeah. Well, yeah. Twenty-five thousand. Yeah, yeah. So, but we've done more than two hundred forty episodes. That's yeah. how many that are currently available. What happened to the other five thousand? That was before we trashed them. No, that was that was when the radio station was doing it. So, oh, so this is when we switched over and we started controlling your money or wealth. Sometime in two thousand sixteen, when we had those big contract negotiations, and I said I want my intellectual property, and we went to the Supreme Court. So, so yes, we have two hundred and forty total that are available right now. Two hundred forty. That's that's enough, don't you think? So what? Should we stop? (laughs) No, I mean. It's like, it's like we don't need 5,000 on our website. No, I don't think so. 240, that's a ton. It is. We appreciate you writing in, giving us a nice uh, little letter there, and, and thank you for the compliment. Tell your friends about it. Can I can I say that? Yes. Okay. And share it. Yeah, you can share it too. Share all, all you our Tell people how funny these guys are. It's a good time. What do you think, Andy? What's your what's your thought on that? Can I say I'm 40-ish if I'm, I'm 42 years old? You plus, are? Plus a plus, plus, I was going to say. Three, 45. <laughs> so I can't say I'm 40 ish. I'd say you're in your mid 40s. I mean, you're smack in your mid 40s. Okay, whatever. You could, I think, I think. And I'm older say. than him. I think That's you, just insane. Well, just think of rounding. Well, if you look a lot better. If it's four or below, you round down. So 44 is 40 ish. 40 ish. Okay. So now you're, now you're almost 50. Yep. Oh my God, I'm going to kick some of that. <laughs> <laughs>